Good morning, and thank you for joining me once again as we continue uh, to work our way through uh, the Bible, uh, the reading of the Bible. In one year, we've made our way into the book of Isaiah, and we're going to do uh, chapters 57, 58, 59, and 60 today. So if you have a Bible, it's handy, it's convenient for you to do so. Open it to Isaiah chapter 57. Now, this particular section of Isaiah that began in chapter 40 is often called the book of consolation. And it is indeed that because the overarching uh, theme is that what God is going to accomplish or what he's going to do to console his people. But the book is not without uh, its confrontation uh, regarding the wickedness of the people of that age and the wickedness of the people of any age. And so in chapter 57, after a, a marvelous description of the work of Christ and the, uh, the glory of God and the gospel of Son Jesus Christ, Isaiah returns to begin to indict. And it's a very pointed uh, indictment of the idolatry of uh, the nation. In uh, chapter 58, not only uh, are they an idolatrous people, uh, whatever religious practice they're involved in, it, it, it is a false type of religiosity. And so it is empty. It is void. And then uh, chapter 59, the, the indictment of the, the corruptness of the nation uh, continues. And he goes into great detail of uh, explaining both in terms of uh, uh, the evil of the individuals within the nation and then the, the corruptness of the entire society. And we're going to come back uh, to that in just a moment in chapter 59 for our focus. And then uh, chapter 60, uh, that reminder that we often see after the painting these bleak portraits of the evil that is being observed and being participated in uh, by the nation the prophet returns and again states, but God has a plan that after the just punishment, after the, the, the period of refining and discipline, uh, the nation will be preserved and God will be glorified. And so let's look uh, here back at chapter 59. Again, it's a, a very lengthy, somewhat of a, a running indictment of the evil of Isaiah's day. Uh, Isaiah 59, beginning in verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or is his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue mutters wickedness. No one enters suit justly. No one goes to law honestly. They rely on empty pleas. They speak lies. They conceive mischief and give birth to iniquity. They hatch adder's eggs and they weave the spider's web. He who eats their eggs dies. And from one that is crushed, a viper is hatched. Their webs will not serve as clothing. Men will not cover themselves with what they make. Their works are works of iniquity and deeds of violence are in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they are swift to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are the thoughts of iniquity. Desolation and destruction are in their highways. The way of peace they do not know. And there is no justice in their paths. They have made their roads crooked. And no one who treads on them knows peace. It's interesting that before engaging in, in this very lengthy and, and ongoing indictment, uh, 
Isaiah reminds us uh, that God can save. God's purpose is to save. That There's no sin that takes you beyond uh, the realm of God's grace. But we see once again, notice uh, this reminder regarding salvation. And then in verse 2, that little uh, contrasting conjunction. But here's the problem. Your sins have separated you from God. That has always been the case. That will always be the case. That uh, our problem is not the graciousness or the goodness or the power of God. Our problem is our own sin, our own uh, rebellion against God. And it has caused God uh, to turn from us because he cannot look upon our sin. He, can't, he cannot be cooperative in any way uh, with our sin. And so Isaiah lays out in uh, very specific and yet at the same time very illustrative type language how how um how far astray uh, the nation has gone. And you'll see there maybe verses that are a bit familiar to you. Uh, there in verses 6 and 7 and 8, the Apostle Paul picks up uh, on these verses and uh, describing the depravity of man in Romans chapter 3, that it's uh, while this was descriptive of the nation of Judah and their corruptness and their apostasy, uh, it is truly true of, of all men that uh, they are uh, by nature sinners who run to evil, that they uh, are not uh, opposed to the shedding of innocent blood. In fact, they, they very quickly uh, find a way to justify all manner of violence and that we are consumed with our own evil, uh, evil thoughts. And the way of peace, which the way of peace is exclusively, uh, it is uniquely, the way of the gospel. And so no matter uh, what people say, what they try to accomplish with all types of different means and mechanisms, uh, there is only one way in which we may know uh, peace, whether it's uh, in some type of international scene or national scene or local scene or personal scene. Uh, the only pathway to peace is through uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. All other ways end in destruction, all other ways end in despair, all other ways end in disaster. And so uh, uh, we, uh, as those who believe the gospel, are the only ones who have the message of peace. Our God is the only one that can deliver any sense of, of, of peace at, at any of the levels that I mentioned, whether personal or corporate. Uh, the only uh, way to peace is through the right relationship uh, with God. And in our natural state, if left to our own devices, uh, we uh, eagerly pursue our own destruction. And so those are difficult things, uh, but they're true things, and I pray that uh, these things are a blessing to your day. I look forward to seeing you once again tomorrow.